Let me invite you now to uh, find in your copies of God's Word, the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 6, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah, so it's back there somewhere. Hey, it's been a a big weekend. Uh, We had a happy time on Friday night with Sin Kwan An. Uh, Hope you, sorry you missed it, but it was a sweet evening uh, put on by Millie and her team. Um wedding yesterday, and tonight, tonight this Marriage Matters thing, you know, I don't know whether you saw the video that, that we did over announcing it back in the spring, but I said in that video something like, um, I have been longing to have something to offer God's people for, for years um, over the subject of something substantial, instead of sending them off to some counselor where they're going to have to pay a great deal of money. Um, and we've got it. And it starts tonight. And for those of you who don't know, there will be 180 people here tonight in that's this program called Marriage Matters. So uh, we're thrilled, and, and I'm excited that finally Gracie Van has something to, to, to offer uh, the, the people who attend here. So now, um, you follow as I read one of the classic statements in all of Scripture found in in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm sure you've heard of it before. If you've never laid your eyes on it, you've certainly heard these words. They read like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word endures forever. Hey guys, you may not know it, or maybe you do, that uh, this year is the 500th year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. It was in 1517 that Martin Luther, an Augustinian monk, nailed the 95 Theses on the church door at um, Wittenberg, Germany, uh, October the 31st to be exact. Um... And you say, big deal. (laughs) Well, it is kind of a big deal. Um, And let me tell you why. You're sitting here today as a really so much of a somewhat of a product of the Protestant Reformation a a Methodist, a Baptist, a Lutheran, a a Presbyterian, a Congregationalist. We're all Protestants. We're protesters. We are protesting um, certain excesses in the Roman Catholic Church. And all of that came to pass humanly speaking, led by a man by the name of Martin Luther. Um, And that's what we celebrate. And you're going to be hearing a whole lot of words 
in the coming weeks and months around, the, around Christendom celebrating those, those events. So I thought I would put my two cents worth in and, and tell you just a little bit about this thing, and then hopefully uh, it will prepare us for the sacrament. Um, Martin Luther was born in 1483. To give you a little bit of historical perspective, um, we have a little quip you know, that we say as Americans. We say, uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, which means that Martin Luther was nine years old when Martin Luther uh, headed to the New World, when, when Columbus headed to the New World. Martin Luther was nine years old. Um, his father, Hans, was, a, was in mining and had made a, a good deal of money in mining, but he didn't want his son to work that hard, and so he, he tried to prepare him for, um, to be a lawyer, sent him to law school. And um, in 1505, which means that Martin Luther was about 22 years old, um, he was walking home one day and got caught in a thunderstorm, and a bolt of lighting, lightning struck so close to him, to Martin Luther, that it knocked him to the ground. Uh, it has been called the lightning bolt that changed the world. Uh, that lightning bolt knocked him to the ground, and from the ground, Martin Luther cried out, Help me, Saint Anne, and I will become a monk. Saint Anne was supposedly the mother of Mary, the Virgin Mary. Well, he made it through that, and he kept his vow and left law school and went on to um, apply for the Augustinian monastery, to the Augustinian monastery in Erfurt, Erfurt, Germany. And on the day of his arrival, he knocked on the door, and he was greeted by a priest who asked him, what do you seek? And Luther said, um, I seek God's grace and your mercy. And he was admitted. About two years later, in 1507, uh, Luther was ordained a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, normally, when you um, are ordained as a priest, you would then almost immediately perform your first Mass. But Luther's was put off about six weeks, postponed for about six weeks, so that his father could attend. His father was very much opposed uh, to his son entering the monastery, but apparently had gotten over it, and so he wanted to be there on the day that his son performed his first Mass. So on the day, when that day arrived, his father arrived uh, in town with 20 of his friends. He gave a very significant um, contribution to the monastery, and then went to the service where his son, Martin Luther, would be conducting and performing his first Mass. Now, the occasion for a priest's first Mass was always quite an ordeal because the Mass in Roman Catholicism is the focal point of the church's means of grace. On that altar in Roman Catholicism, the bread and the wine as you probably already know, actually become the body, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus Christ. That in essence, ladies and gentlemen, is the heartbeat of being a priest. That is, once you are ordained as a priest, you then get this miraculous ability, miraculous power, 
to turn common elements into the actual flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And it is there that Calvary and all of its events are reenacted. It is a power possessed by Roman Catholic priests that is denied even to angels. It is the very thing that separates the clergy from the laity. This this miraculous ability to turn common elements into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so as Luther prepared to perform his first one, there are manuals available. (laughs) There were manuals that were written to help the young priest do it just right. Because everything had to be done just right. For instance, the clothes that you wore, they had to be just right. They were called vestments. They had to be just right. The, um, the recitation of the mast had to be just right. It had to be done with a, with a low voice without stammering, said the manuals. Um, and and, and in, in addition to that, the, the state of the priest's soul had to be just right. That is, or what that meant was, is that every sin that he had committed had to be confessed and absolved before he ever approached this position of, of conducting and performing his first Mass. Now, Luther suffered from uh, what some people even today suffer from, and that is a fear of a malevolent deity. That is, a God who is easily and unpredictably provoked. So, um, in front of his father and his 20 friends, as Luther had completed the, the introductory portion of the Mass... He came to the words of consecration and panic gripped him. The terror of the holy, the dread of infinitude, and another lightning bolt, this one striking his soul overtook him, and he could not go on. Later, Martin Luther described that, those events, in his own words, saying this, and I'm quoting, at these words I was utterly stupefied and terror-stricken. I thought to myself, With what tongue shall I address such majesty, seeing that all men ought to tremble in the presence of even an earthly prince? Who am I that I should lift up mine eyes or raise my hands to the divine majesty? The angels surround him. At his nod, the earth trembles. And shall I, a miserable little pygmy, say I want this, I ask for that? For I am but dust and ashes and full of sin. 
And I am speaking to the living, eternal, and the true God. He summarized his experience in one German word for which there is no English equivalent. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. I'm not a German. But the word was Anfektung, which is a word that pointed to all the doubt and the turmoil and the pang and the tremor and the panic and the despair and the desolation and the depression that can um, overtake the human spirit. Toward this God of Isaiah 6, he was at the same time attracted and repelled. Before this God, Luther was, in his own words, stupefied. And he could not finish. And so an older priest stepped in and and completed the Mass for him. And his father, Hans, with his 20 friends, was utterly mortified that his son had performed so badly. So after that little history lesson, here's three questions that I'd like to pose for you, to you. Does this God, the God of Isaiah 6, the God before whom Luther crumbled, does he still exist? Did he change someplace? Does this God still exist? And I would say to you, yes, he does. And secondly, if that God still exists, where has this kind of reverence, where's it gone? Why doesn't it exist among us anymore? And then, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps the most important question of all. If that God still exists, how is that God to be approached? Through this. Not exactly the sacrament itself, am I saying but through the event to which this sacrament points, Christ and him crucified. The New Testament says it like this. There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. Christ and him crucified. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the emblematic portrayal of the mediatorial role of Jesus Christ for sinners. How do I approach this God? I approach him only 
through Christ. And that is what we celebrate in this sacrament. So I say to you, if that Savior is yours, whether you're a member of this church or not, come and let us meet with our Savior. Let's pray together. Our Father, I I do pray that you will arouse the, the slumbering spirits of your people, remind them that you have an inflexible hatred of sin, that you had it in the days of Luther, you had it in the days of Paul, you still have it. And the only, the only way by which any of us who are steeped in our own sin, the only way that any of us will ever be reconciled to you is through this mediatorial role performed at Calvary by Christ And I pray that he might be seen and viewed and and enjoyed this morning as we meet around these emblems which will represent and point us to and draw us nearer to the Savior himself. Meet us, we ask. We ask it in Jesus' name.